Good morning. Blessings to you, to you all. <clears throat> I must say that at this time, I've missed you all. I've missed seeing your faces. I missed hearing your voices. I miss seeing your kids. I miss seeing the passion that you have for the Lord. I mean, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a time of reflection how much we really mean to each other. And uh, I must say that there is no fear in God. Amen? There is no fear in God. He is and always will be. He was and is and always will be who he is. <clears throat> I want to talk this morning about being the seed of Abraham and what that actually means in some ways. But I want to start first with how God set up the whole universe for Abraham's benefit. Uh, in the beginning, God. And it says that he created the heavens and the earth and all that's in them. So the first thing he created was the heavens. And we read in the Psalms, it says that he has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules overall. God set up his ideas and his thoughts and his ways in a way that would help us understand him in an avenue which he could communicate to us in a meaningful way. And the first thing he does is he creates the heavens and establishes his throne. And when he created the heavens, he created all the angelic hosts and all the things that are needed in order to have a meaningful relationship with those on earth. So God's plan is so magnified in magnitude and its dimensions that we cannot necessarily comprehend it all. But I'll tell you something. He reveals something to us in moments that captivate our heart with who he is and his plans. And I want to share a little bit from Abraham's life and how dynamic this really was and how God used his creation to communicate the magnitude of Abraham's call. The Bible, then he created the earth. And by the way, the earth is not the world. Let me read you a verse. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. God is the creator of the world. The world in the Greek is the cosmos. All that God created, the stars, the, the universes, and all the planets, and everything, he has caused something to come into existence in order for us to understand who he is. And so let me describe to you just a little bit of the cosmos. The cosmos is the ornament of God. He decorated it to communicate with us. He actually adorned it with things 
that would grasp our attention. We'll see this, how it affected Abraham. Uh, The arrangement of the stars, the heavenly hosts, the ornaments of heaven. It goes beyond our imagination and our ability to even understand, but it's for the very purpose for us to understand. First of all, the dimensions of God. He constituted the cosmos in such a way that he communicates with us with his creation. The world, the universe, the circle of the earth. Uh, you know, I got to thinking about it. What is the circle of the earth? Well, I think it's when, you, when they go into space, they get beyond the gravity of earth. That's the circle of the earth. It has its own domain. Thank God, otherwise we'd be falling through the universe. The circle of the earth, and then there's the earth. The inhabitants of the earth, male and female, the human race. He also made provisions for the ungodly multitude. The whole mass of people alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. God had all this in mind. World affairs. The totality of things earthly. Everything earthly is part of the cosmos. The whole circle earthly goods, adornments, riches, advantages, pleasures, etc., which although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire. I mean, just think of the gold rush. God knew there'd be a gold rush. Amazing. The gold rush caused a panic to get rich. The gold rush caused people to kill people for their claim. So the passion and desires that he put on our heart, he put it within the context of freedom of choice. You can choose to share your wealth or get greedy and dominate somebody else's wealth. And, and so it just, it's amazing. And then also, this desire that stirs up in us has the ability to take us off the track and lead us into a wrong direction. Satan was the first one to be led in the self-decision and self-determination of who he actually was. This is the cosmos. This is the earth. It also has the aggregate or the general collection of particular things. For instance, the Gentiles and Abraham's seed. 
the whole Christian belief system in the world is part of the cosmos. And I like this declaration that God makes in Isaiah 55, verse 9. And this is what he says, and this is very appropriate here. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When we look at the universe, we see the thoughts of God, and even though we see them and experience them, we still can't understand the magnitude of his thoughts. And they're much, he says, as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts. I mean, that's a long ways. But let me say this. He brought Abraham into his thoughts through the universe. When he called Abraham, he invoked an impartation of his high thoughts and ways upon Abraham's heart. When God invades your life, he always puts who he is in it. And instantly his heart was changed to be an heir of God's holy plan forever. When God spoke, Abraham burst into a unforgettable divine thinking and ways of God of which he knew nothing about. We start from the place of nothing and he takes us to something. Amen? He is who he is and we are who we are. But he is who we are. In other words, he made us to be like him. Now, this is going to get interesting. Abraham, Abraham's call included being the heir of the cosmos. The Bible says so. God's thoughts, God's thoughts descend from his throne to Abraham. He pours his thoughts into the heart of Abraham. He makes declarations that are beyond Abraham's thoughts and ways. God cut covenant in, uh, in God's cut covenant included airship of the cosmos. The cosmos is our we are heirs of the cosmos. When the sun comes up, we are heirs of its effectiveness. We receive. I love the sun. When the moon comes up, we, we, we look at the moon and we go, wow, there's the moon. It's amazing. In Romans 4, verse 17, it says this, as it is written, referring to the Old Testament, a father of many nations, have I made you? Past tense. Abraham came into God's being as a man of faith because God designed it to be so. And 
in the sight of, so, so I have made you the, the father of many nations. I made you in the sight of him who he believed. So Abraham, in the sight of God, heard what God said and believed what he said. And you can say, well, that was Abraham's choice. No, no, it was God's imposition upon Abraham. Abraham never ever thought of being a father of many nations. In fact, I don't think he even knew what that meant when he said it to him. Huh? Because the thoughts of God are so high. His, his thoughts are productive thoughts that actually have reality in mind. That's, what ha that's to happen to us. The word made here is in the perfect tense. The Greek word made is viewed as having been completely completed in the past once and for all, not needing to be repeated. God was not going to repeat what he made him because he didn't have to because he already came into it when God said it. So God isn't Pete and repeat. God said, I'm going to make you, and so it was. God never said it again. But he had to kind of convince Abraham, even though Abraham believed. Did you ever think of that? We believe, but then, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. Well, that's true. We don't. Um, Linsky says this. The story is that those who lived from Adam to Abraham had a preliminary for, or an introduction promise for their faith. And that with Abraham, God advanced this earlier promise to an actual covenant. In other words, God's saying, I'm committed to what I said to you. One that's centered in the one person, Abraham, who was chosen by pure grace to be the heir of the world. <laughs> Abraham was chosen by grace. Divine favor brought him into the heir to be the heir of the cosmos. And I think of my little Camaro. It's amazing. Who was chosen by, by pure grace to be the heir of the cosmos. The father of all future believers. Thus, after telling that it was faith alone by which Abraham was made such a father, it remained for Paul to tell about the basis of his faith, the promise without which this faith cannot understand. In other words, what he is saying is this. The only way the promises ever come into existence and realization is because we believe them. It's sheer faith. You know what this tells me right now as I, as I, as I, as I stand here? 
God has much more for you than you ever imagined. We have to start looking like Abraham. Look up, you see the stars. That's how many kids you're going to have. I'm sure Abraham looked, I don't have a house big enough for this. And he looked up, I knew, I'm going ahead of myself. The father of any nations have I made you. And Abraham knew, this is a key, Abraham knew that it was in the sight of God that this was done. In the presence of God is where this happened. Then Abraham believed in affirmed trust relied on and remained steadfast to the Lord. And he counted or credited to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the same Lord who brought you out of the air of the Chaldees to give you land as an inheritance. Where did God take us out of? And for what reason? For an inheritance. Glory to God. An inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled. I brought you out, he said. Huh. He gave Abraham no credit for leaving. Because it was God who put the motivation in him to do so. I mean, that's all grace. That's just divine favor. I'm calling you out. And I'm taking you in. But Abraham said, <laughs> after we read that he believed, no, he says, um, uh, Abraham said, Lord God, by what proof will I know that I will inherit it? And here's what God said, and then this is what God did. So God said, bring me a three-year-old heifer. A three-year-old female goat. A three-year-old ram. And turtle dove and a young pigeon. So, so Abraham brought it all to him and cut them down in the middle and laid it and so on. But he did not cut the bird. And what God was doing was saying, I'm going to tell you how this is for you. I'm guaranteeing it with my covenant. You see, God's thoughts are higher than ours and his ways are higher than our ways. Uh, when we read our Bible, God is thinking out loud. And, and we get to know his thoughts when we read So when you hear somebody talking out loud, you actually hear what they're saying. But you also feel what they're saying. It's amazing. So God cuts this Abraham. 
the Abrahamic covenant. God makes the covenant. How am I going to know? Just bring me the animals and I'll make a covenant with you. And this is your guarantee that this is going to happen. Then I'm amazed because God talked covenantly through <laughs> through a technicolor divine video to Abraham while he was sleeping. And this is what it says. When the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abraham, and a horror and a terror, shuddering fear, nightmare, of a great darkness over him. And God said to Abraham, Know you for sure that your descendants will be strangers living temporarily in the land of Egypt that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But God's covenant was going to bring them out. His covenant brings us out of darkness, terror, Nightmares. How many of you have been in a nightmare this late little while? God will bring you out of it. God doesn't leave people in nightmares. Because he has an inheritance that he has committed to you. So God talked covenantly with Abraham. When you read your Bible... Remember, God is talking covenantly to you. God revealed to Abraham a future of in a distance of 400 years. Wow. Oh. Let me say this, Abraham's inheritance wasn't limited to just him being on earth. <clears throat> God used the cosmos to explain the dimensions of Abraham's calling. Genesis 22, verse 17. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gates of the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a covenant of conquering, not running. We are in a covenant of success, not failure. The systems of this world will actually fail us, but God doesn't fail. And he will use whatever you're going through right now to benefit your thought life to come up to his level. Because sometimes distress brings us to a place where God, unless you do something, nothing's going to happen.
Genesis 13, verse 16, I will make your seed as the dust of the earth. Wow. I mean, he went from stars to sand to dust. <laughs> dust? Man, if the wind blows, my family's going to be everywhere. Like, I, I, I don't know what Abraham thought when God told him these words. I know what Howie Meeker would have said. Jumping Jehoshaphat. God so loved the world, the cosmos that he gave. Jesus died for the cosmos, folks, because we are heirs of the cosmos. God's original intention of creation was to have the cosmos and the earth and the earth to become a garden of complete tranquility and fruitfulness within the cosmos. The cosmos provided the dew. It's amazing. It's just amazing. We have been called into a cosmos revolution. I think God is saying to us today, get out of your pea brain and get into my thoughts. Move out of your, what's dominating your thought life now and come into what I'm thinking. Because what I'm thinking is going to happen. Because I said so. Hallelujah. See, none of the promises can be in effect without faith. You have to believe what he said. I will bless you. I will bless you. I'll bring you into poverty. No, I will bless you. In fact, I'll bless the nations of the world through you. You're going to have so many kids, you won't be able to number them. So he became the father of faith. And if you, listen to this verse, if you if you be Christ, in other words, if you belong to Jesus, you're Abraham's seed according to the promise. We have been birthed into the life-thinking thoughts of Almighty God. There is a life, there is life in his thoughts. We have been birthed into the, into the life of thinking thoughts of Almighty God. We have been birthed into the divine journey of Almighty God. It's his ways. He's got us on a journey, folks. And it's a journey of success. It's a journey of blessing. It's a journey of, of, of authority. We possess the gates of the enemy. There is, erection, there is a resurrection power in this journey. He's called the Holy Spirit. Kingdom power connects you to kingdom prosperity. 
The cosmos is the richest invention ever. And the earth is the most productive planet ever. The chair you're sitting on came out of the earth. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. We can actually say, I am an heir of the cosmos. And I believe that the cosmos is there for my benefit. The cosmos exists for my success, not failure. The cosmos exists to stir up my mind to think. And man begin to think how to dig ore out of the ground and make cars. How come? Because God covenanted it to be so. The God of the cosmos has chosen to live in our hearts. So when Abraham looked up and he saw all the stars, I don't know what he thought. It probably blew his mind. Huh? Sarah, do you know what's coming? Isn't that amazing? We have been called, ladies and gentlemen, we have been called into a dimension of authority and love, productivity and success like no other people. And God has challenged us today to step out and say, come into my thoughts and my ways. Amen? God bless you.